Welcome to What is Goat? I'm John Sevenapaloa. I'm Jamie Fry. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about uh, the winner of Best Alternative Album from 1998 at the Grammys. Uh, it was OK Computer by Radiohead. It came out in 97. Also, more recently I saw it as the number one uh, album of the 90s, according to Pitchfork.com. Um, no surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> the most sophisticated album being celebrated by the most sophisticated site <laughs> on the internet regarding music, Pitchfork Media. Say that. And that's the end of this that's podcast. So cool just thing. listen to Pitchfork. You know, <laughs> this is actually it's worked for me in the past. <laughs> um, Jamie, were you were you into Radiohead when uh, OK Computer came out? I remember the single Karma Police. Yes. As a song I heard every day, not even so much that I knew who Radiohead were or OK Computer was, but I remember when the single dropped, it was right when I got into the radio and there was a huge hit on the radio and I loved Karma Police. We would have been like 10 or 11 at the time. This was probably like one of the first uh, new singles that I like by a rock band that like got in my head like all the time. Mm -hmm. Um and I didn't know anything about Radiohead or who they were. Yeah. I'm not sure when I actually got it. I don't know that I... I'm trying to think if I even... If I bought it right then. I Weirdly, I remember having the Benz. Um, maybe it was my dad's because we would have been pretty young when that came out. Um, but I remember having that and liking it. Well, I remember thinking it was okay. Which I guess is still That's which is still fair, my take. Yeah. <laughs> I think you had it. 20, 20 some odd years further, I'd say my take on the Benz is it's okay. Um, <laughs> okay, computer is by many estimations is the goat, and I don't know the last time I listened to it. I don't listen to Radiohead much anymore. What I remember about the consensus on Okay Computer that unlike some bands kind of rocked and we liked them because they rocked and they were heavy and then okay computer is supposed to be smart and he didn't have a smart smarmy title and they had very artistic videos right. and this was like for you know we were 12 years old for a 12 years old 12 year old getting into rock music this described some degree of sophistication yeah. to the listener if you got into radiohead i i think you're right and and i think that has that has lasted uh, a cool thing about this period. So the late nineties is that the internet is starting, but it exists in such a limited way that you get some information, but mostly you don't get all the information. And I remember seeing pictures of the marketing around it because they would hang up these like big weird photos of the band members in London tube stations. And it was sort of like, what is this? It feels odd and sophisticated and like something you're supposed to get. And if you get it, then you must be really cool. You know? (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of the ethos of the nineties of like, are you in the know? Are you down? It's like, you know, like, like I feel like the whole thesis of of Radiohead in that okay computer thing is like, are you a conformist sheep or do you listen to Radiohead? <laughs> it's good marketing if you think about it too, right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> You're really like negging the listener, basically. Really taking advantage of that sort of like um, uh, outsider persona. But Radiohead essentially 
their thread is of a corporate rock band. There is nothing different about the thread of them and, uh, you know, Sugar Ray or something. Well, in in their inception and this initial stage, yes. And I think with this album, you're starting to see them try to make a break for it. Them They're trying almost to get like out. the monkeys in a way. <laughs> right, maybe that's a stretch. But I think it's a stretch. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that Pablo Honey is an example of a corporate rock record yeah, from the 90s. Certainly. It is the, de- the debut of a band that is not organic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound organic. It's got a hit that is a heavy-handed hit. Mm-hmm. Like Creep, they knew exactly what they were doing, releasing Creep, why people would like it, the way the chorus comes in on Creep is is yes. is exactly as pandering as a rock chorus can get in a totally fucking effective way. It's not the same as um like some of their peers like the Meat Puppets and the Butthole Servers also on the radio then that had several records of of indie before they arrived right. to the same type of contract right. that Radiohead got. Right. Radiohead Ra- from the jump big corporate rock hits. Yeah. The first two records, but essentially especially Creep, but but this is definitely for whatever reason, the moment you see them breaking and it was with that, with the marketing and they also released uh, the movie at the same time, meeting people is easy. A whole movie. I I don't really know that it works as a movie, but it sure is a snapshot of a really unhappy group of people. They are obviously, they don't like where they've been and they're trying very hard and aggressively to like run in the other direction. And you hear that on, on okay computer. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. There's a certain, um, negativity and not fun attitude (laughs) that is perpetuated by Radiohead. They have obsessive fans and uh, they're not fun. (laughs) Tom York is not a fun guy and I don't think he's relatable either. (laughs) I'm not going to disagree on that. There's something just a little sour about the Tom York narrator. There's a great, I want to go back to you talking about the sort of corporate rock inception. There's a great, I don't know if you remember this, you can look it up on YouTube video of them doing, I think it's creep um, at the MTV beach house. Oh, Do you remember yeah. this MTV all summer? They would have their MTV beach house and they would show videos with the VJs hanging mm-hmm. out at some, you know, slanky party. Yep. And they're all dancing. It looks like a yeah. scene at a Baywatch. And it's, it's, I think it's basically all you need to watch to get, where OK Computer's coming from. You see this band, they're playing Creep, which while a very corporate song, still, as you're saying, it's sour, it's dark, and knowing these guys, and knowing the music they would make later on, obviously this wasn't really their bread and butter. They had different ambitions, they had different tastes. And you see them doing this song surrounded by girls in bikinis and people playing volleyball, and it's just like, could anything be more uncomfortable and more wrong? Yeah, they're like held captive yes. at an objectively fun thing. <laughs> and you just see, and maybe maybe that was part of what they saw too, of just like, okay, I think this is over now. I think we I think it's all run its course. Um so I will say I I definitely count myself a Radiohead fan. I'm definitely a Radiohead fan. But as we talked about, you know, what we're doing here, you know. It's easy to say stuff like that. It's easy to say like, oh yeah, Radiohead are good. OK Computer is a great, important record. But I, yeah, I haven't, I put it on today. It's probably been years since I put it on before today. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, but 
it also it sounds different. It sounds different today than how it sounded in 1997, and that's okay, and that's to be expected. Um, but it's harder to see the future in it. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, emphasis was put on how contemporary Radiohead were and how they're like almost like they became a tastemaker themselves by getting into certain kinds of music. And then Kid A would be like the absolute summation where Kid A, I mean, that's a record that I thought was an ubiquitous uh, groundbreaking album, like most people did. But I'd never heard Can or Brian Eno. I think if I heard Can or Brian Eno before I heard mm. Kid A, I'm not sure it would have packed the same punch. So OK Computer has a lot of moments that rock, that are kind of celebrations of guitar riff and shredding. And then it also has some other stuff where they'll pick like a kind of interesting synth kind of tone or an interesting feedback thing will happen. To me, the thing that's not interesting is Tom York. <laughs> I don't think that the narrator of the Radiohead songs, like lyrically, is very relatable. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff about being paranoid and aliens and stuff like that seems very juvenile to me. Maybe it's because it came out when we were in junior high school and I just sure. have that association with it. But as an adult listening to it, it seems kind of canny in a, in a yeah. sort of juvenile way. All the later albums, they're much more uh, emotive. They're much more introspective. Songs on OK Computer, it jumped out to me. They're all about like stuff and things. They're about... A lot of it's about car crashes and plane yeah. crashes. A lot of it is about robots and computers. <laughs> a lot of it is about aliens and fascism and politics and the people who are... But It's very firmly rooted in the world of 1997 that we all know um, and, and their idea of what the next few years might be or maybe with the the near future it almost listening to okay computer almost feels to me like watching black mirror now yeah you know yeah it's you know? speculative fiction yeah yeah it's like you know like being into like a writer like george orwell yes. or like ray bradbury or something like that there's that sort of science fiction sort of like dysto right the dystopian theme Rides through yeah. this album. And it makes sense, like you said, because it feels like, you know, you're in junior high. You're starting to get into Ray Bradbury and Orwell. And Tom York's getting into Orwell. You know, yeah. you're hearing these things and it it fits alongside where you're going. But you're right. You go back and you listen now and you go, maybe it wasn't as forward pushing as I thought. A lot of these songs, you listen back, they're good songs. It's a good record. Lots of good songwriting. But a lot of it is 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 pop songs. A lot of these are verse, chorus, verse. Mm -hmm jangly songs i mean they're moody and there's always a little bit of something off in it something a little weird or dark or experimental but mostly it's a lot of pop songs you know i mean there's literally the song that's the closing credits to romeo and juliet i mean there's literally right. a, a yearning heart-wrenching ballad for a film credit sequence right in the middle of this record you know <laughs> and it feels kind of funny that that's also part of the backstory of an album that's supposed to be so you know ahead of its time so futuristic it's still kind of firmly planted in something really concrete 1997 right it's not that different than other rock that's being made but there's something about radiohead and the narrative tom york takes themselves extremely seriously is not fun is not 
trying to be relatable per se. I think that the topics of all this like dystopian sort of imagery is cool when it works sometimes. And it's not that it's not, it's not that different from say the topic of uh, like, like uh, diamond dogs by David Bowie. Right. Very, very similar themes. Like we've heard these themes in rock and roll before. I think it's more like the narrator. Tom York is an unusual narrator for a rock band because he's not romantic. Really? No. <laughs> he doesn't really sing love songs. Um, uh, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, his version of a love song is more about being tortured. I would I describe <laughs> him as the emotionally unavailable rock singer. So picking these topics, uh, like a robot, is like a way to like avoid singing about your feelings, which sometimes can be very cool. And then the song about getting... Picked up by the aliens and uh, subterranean yeah. homesick alien. It just sounds like he's just singing about something. Right. There's not like a big point to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's sort of just a topic. He happens to be rapping on almost like whatever lyrics, you know. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, there's, there's plenty of that in terms of the emotional distance. And I think he's trying to... Like you're saying, he's trying to get at that, but it's in a really sort of roundabout way through all these other vehicles. And for my piece, that's why I find most of the records after it a little bit easier to access in terms of the emotion. Kid A and Amnesiac are much more direct in the sort Mm -hmm. of emotional pleas. He's much more vulnerable in his songwriting. It's a lot less gimmick and a lot... and, And it's... Even if you were to look at the lyric sheets, most of those songs have like three lines of lyrics and they're sort of almost like these repeated mantras in 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 his own sort of paranoid breakdown aesthetic that he's going through. Whereas whereas this, you're right, there's all this other window dressing on OK Computer. There's robots and aliens and technology and blah blah blah. And and then you have songs on, you know, Executive, you have you just have songs that are, I'm a reasonable man, get off my case. Get off my case. Yeah. Overnight. It's just okay. He's in it. He's stuck. He's freaking out. And it's, I don't know, to me, that's a little easier to access. Well, like, let's take a song like Paranoid Android. Now, I think that for most of my listening years of this, I thought this was a pretty brilliant song. It has the quality of something like Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven in the sense that. It is an episodic song that results in this incredible um, finale. But there's something about Tom York singing about kicking, screaming, Gucci little piggy and this sort of like nonconformist rap where it, it kind of seems ridiculous to me. As great as the song is, the song is it's a very cool song. Like for my... Um, less jaded young person self. He's just like, that song was really cool, mm-hmm. but is he an asshole? Like, is he with it or not? Right. Like, is this full yeah. of shit or not? It's it really hard full to tell. Of shit now. It's you know? really hard to tell. You're right. Because it, it, it's, it's hard to figure out whose side he's on. You know, I, I'm not even sure what the sides are, but even with whatever paradigm he's setting up, it's really hard to figure out like, what are you advocating for, really? You know, he's not some, like, big, bold personality rock star who's out there 
in all his punk rock glory telling you to overthrow your masters and to quit your job. You know, this is not, you know, Damien Abraham from Fucked Up. This is not somebody <laughs> like, we need to overthrow this system. You need to be your own person. And I'm not Kathleen Hanna. No, yeah. I'm like wonder, listening to this going like, so what are you at? Is this, is it, it's almost like sarcasm over sarcasm like a double negative and i'm not really sure right what like what he really wants right you know? right is he talking about his feelings or is he kind of just like is he posturing is he taking the piss right, right. yeah and maybe he is and maybe that's cool i'm not absolutely it's sure. confusing though because the delivery of all these things is so weird like he's you're so saying, serious when he's he so it. serious yeah it's a little it's an emotionally weird record he's not a personal narrator is sort of an abstract unreliable narrator and they're using lyrics more to build like an ovio than to like right tell a story and yeah. okay computer has a undeniable concept and ovio about it right and it was re i mean the thing to remember too is it really was the first of its kind for this era you know the the advent of the internet is here you have all you have sort of like in movies, you have like all these questions start being asked. You have a movie like Gattaca, which is, you know, talking about like genetic engineering, which is now becoming possible. And I think that then informs Kid A also in, right, in the in, Matrix in, and stuff the like Matrix that. Matrix yeah. is coming out soon. Obsession after this. with this. Um, How technology yeah. is changing our world. Um, but even with those things, or even, you know, earlier, 1984, these other things. There feels like there is a definitive point to be made, and I don't know that there is one for OK Computer. And no, that, that's, okay. So that's okay. That's okay. Not every rock album has to be some sort of grand narrative, but it paints a picture. It creates an atmosphere. Um, it has catchy songs, but I don't know if there's something else you're supposed to take away from it. I don't think there is. I think the reason this is so popular, because it works in such broad strokes. Mm. In pop music, there's just like these different like vibes that people get attracted to. You know, some music is sexy, you know, like Prince or Madonna. Like ACDC are mostly about having fun. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like raucous right. music. OK Computer, it's a, it's, a, it's a character that is supposed to be really deep. A good comparison, I don't think you like them. Pink Floyd. Right, don't like Pink Floyd. OK, so. Pink Floyd is a band that like <laughs> next up on what is good. <laughs> just as a comparison, I think people have, I'm not the first yeah. person to compare sure. the two bands. So like people into Pink Floyd fancy themselves kind of like philosophically deep. Like there's certain like existential issues are brought up and like political issues. Not to say that Roger Waters isn't a smart guy and he absolutely is, but there's something about the feeling of getting into Pink Floyd. And I remember when I like liked this when I was a kid is that you feel like you're like taking some like deep stand against something. And like you're like kind of enlightened consciousness uh, regarding some notions of personal politics or like world politics or like, you know, this sort of questioning thing. But, like, most people listen to Pink Floyd are like, this fucking rocks. <laughs> Pink Floyd rock. You know, another brick in the wall. You know, like, now, so this is 1997. Right. I guess the same year, Rage Against the Machine come out. Mm -hmm. Pretty much right around the same time. 
And I remember hearing this band, and they mentioned the Zapatistas, mm-hmm. Mumia Abu Jamal, yeah. the West Memphis Three. This is stuff you look up. You're like, holy crap, right. Eldridge Cleaver. Yeah. You know, you uh, don't have to wonder what the point is when you listen to Rage Against the Machine. They're going to tell you straight out what they want you to do. You know. Uh, so these are contemporaries. Rage and Radiohead have the same kind of thing going on where it's like when you're kid you're like this music is against the fucking system or whatever but then rage gives you a kind of like argument with 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 footnotes <laughs> like at the at the back of their record there was here's some books you should read here's some websites to go to to educate yourself the members of radiohead have no fucking clue they are they express in no <laughs> concrete way what you should do what it means, what she should do with this information. And I think they you know. don't know. And I think that's it's that paranoia. It's that unease of what's coming. But yeah, you're right. It leaves you as the listener with a sort of like, but now what? And I think and I think the now what you get, which is more rewarding, is Kid A and Amnesia. Right. Which is a more, which to me continues a lot of these themes, but it's a more honest uh, emotional way towards it. It's there are songs on there that are about paranoia and 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 breakdowns, but they feel like an honest sort of telling of this is what the world is like, and I have no fucking idea how to deal with it. I'm a mess, you know. Whereas yeah. this, you're saying it's like, well, I'm just painting the world in a really broad way, and you can take all the weirdness you want from it. You know, politics and music. Let's say you're just listening to a bunch of songs. Like, you know, you can listen to, like, a Nina Simone song about, like, Martin Luther King being shot. Or you can listen to, like, a song by Tom York about how, like, the man is, like, listening to his phone calls. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the man is, like, trying to oppress him or something like that. I think that might be the goofy thing is that, like, sometimes, like, when you get on this topic, you got to bring the real deal. Yeah, right. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, I would love to be politically motivated by a record the way that this should do or may have done or like something like Pink Floyd. Like I love that feeling in music. Like, I think that's part of the thing that got me into rock and roll. It's like the kid, I love punk. You know what I mean? Like at the core of punk is kind of just like, you know, black flag rise above or something like that. But you know, when you have a more educated, uh, adult, like, you know, you can kind of see it for what it is, which is like another way to get pumped. Like, you know, the wall is sort of political and sort of philosophical and sort of conceptual, but it is sort of just like a bunch of songs about depression. Maybe there's like a record about depression, like guy like trying to like intellectualize his depression yeah, absolutely. That's in such part a of serious it. way, which is not that different from Elliot Smith, right? You know, or something like that. But he thinks he's really, really high minded, <laughs> and there's something where you want to be like, you know what, fuck you, man. Right. You know, right? Like, and that I don't yeah. want to listen to you anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah. and I appreciate that on all the subsequent Radiohead, rec- well, not all of them, but a lot of the subsequent Radiohead records. It, the conversation can stop after I'm really depressed or I'm really having a hard time. You know, you have a song like uh, True Love Waits, which is beautiful. And it's just him saying, don't leave to yeah. presumably his wife who they're no longer together. It's like there is an immediacy to that. You could say it's simple, but it resonates. It resonates in a way that being abducted by aliens doesn't necessarily do. Lyrics, for the most part, shouldn't have to work that hard right there's a <laughs> lot of lyrics on this record there's more than i remembered there it's being. extremely wordy yeah. and it's working really really yes. hard they're doing he's, a lot of the list he's there. trying to like create this vibe and um scenery yeah so much that you're like 
relax a little. Yeah, and know? and weirdly, even give though, me some space on this record yeah. to think about what's going on. <laughs> even though Kid A and Amnesiac are incredibly ambitious, maybe more ambitious than this record, they get that right a hundred percent. There's plenty of songs that don't have any lyrics. You know, there's plenty of songs that take their time that have long, beautiful, lush interludes with strange instrumentation. And it, there's a lot of room to breathe on those records. You know, there's yeah. a lot of silence, you know, yeah. there's a lot of glitch and it makes you have to, it draws you in, in a way that this record does not. This record is, Still, like we're saying, it still comes at you the way the corporate rock records before it do. It is big. It's loud. It's not super nuanced in its production. It's The guitars are right up front. The mm -hmm. vocals are really loud. There's a lot of double tracking on a lot of different stuff. And that's okay, but it, it's kind of funny because it's, like you're saying, it's trying to be really high-minded, but it's sort of using the tools of mainstream rock radio. These that's, songs, that's what it these was, songs, you know? it was, and that's the funniest thing. I recently, I, this had nothing to do with Radiohead. The other, a few nights ago, I'm with Diana, my wife, and we're looking back in a sort of nostalgic way at a lot of these sort of funny pop uh, trends from when we were kids, from the '90s, and these things that were hits. And I remembered, maybe you remember this. Do you remember the 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 series of CDs called "Now That's What I Call Music"? Oh yeah, they, of they course, still yeah. make them. Apparently, mm -hmm. they're up to like number seventy or something. But I remembered when she said that. I remembered buying the very first "Now That's What I Call Music," and there was uh, it was a great album. It, it maybe it's just my nostalgia talking, but it fucking holds up. It's got. The Spice Girls, it's got um, the Backstreet Boys, 97 was a good year, and right smack dab in the fucking middle of this record, filled with pop hits, is Karma Police, you know, because we it's easy to forget because we think of Radiohead as these innovators, as these legendary rock experimentalist karma police was a giant fucking top 40 radio hit it was right there alongside you know what else was on that fastball karma yeah. police radiohead and fastball they were contemporaries they were on the same stations together cardigans and the cardigans fool. and I you know what those were two hits that yeah. were played next to each other constantly These songs were love not fool different. and, karma police. and yeah. it's easy to say now because when you think of radiohead, new radicals you yeah. get what you give when you think of radiohead you think of kid a you think of moonshade pool you think of experimentalism you think of bands like portishead and apex twin in 1997 radiohead fastball Sugar Ray. These guys were all on the same stations. Sometimes you would see them on the exact same festival bills or the same K Rock family picnic. Radiohead whatever. opened for Alanis Morissette. There you go. There yeah. you go. And it's 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 funny because it's so easy to divorce that when you think, oh, this is the greatest, the greatest man, the greatest. And I'm not, and ironically. I don't mean any of this in a demeaning way. I think that's good. I think it I, makes I think them more likable. <laughs> right. I think from knowing what I know now, them trying to take an artistic and intellectual leap while they're sort of playing to teenagers and a very like mainstream audience. Like I kind of like that more now because you know what? They're not a DIY band. <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not from, that's not their background. So I'd rather think of them as like, an innovative corporate rock band than like an overblown uh, fringe act. It's been said before, but there's parallels between Radiohead and the Beatles. You know, they have to get out of their sort of 
pop stage, their corporate stage. And that's not, and you know, just because the Beatles wrote, I want to hold your hand doesn't make their later work any less extraordinary or boundary pushing. You can't hold the early works of a band, a band in their infancy. You can't hold them, hold that against them as they grow. Um, but that being said, you can look at the growing pains and I think there are some here. Um, that being said, I mean it's still it still works. The on guitars some level. rule. There's on this great record. riffs. If you're not, we're talking picking about, nits. We're yeah. picking a lot of nits, but we're, I mean, there's yeah. great songs on here. No, for the sure. playing rules. The guitars rule. I mean, as someone who just like, you know, we we were around lots of other people learning music mm-hmm. during these years when Radiohead were like huge, and they encourage you to be challenging and interesting. Like yeah. having Johnny Greenwood as a guitar influence. Or um, what's the other guy, um, Ed O'Brien? Yeah. Like, you know, trying to do what they do instead of just, like, learning the same, right. you know, Zeppelin, Floyd, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Does make you more interesting and, yeah. in a way. There, there is, there, it's not there's not anything to learn there. That's the less pretentious part is the guitar. Yeah. To me, it's like the, the guitar rock part of it has a really satisfying thing. And it's one of the last big guitar records of all time. Yeah. Even the point where they never made one again. And it's it's you're right. And and thinking back on that, I remember learning how to play airbag when I was just still learning how to play guitar. And as we're saying, like Radiohead are growing. We were at a good age for this to sort of like start walking into these ideas and these styles of music that are a little bit more outside of your typical radio hit. And I remember learning how to play airbag. And it's a good example because it was definitely different. It definitely stretched my very early guitar playing abilities. But thinking back on it, it also wasn't that hard. You know, right. it also wasn't, it was, you got some tabs, you, you played it, it still was fairly straightforward. Whereas, as I got older, regardless of my ability, I started to be really wowed when I would hear records like Kid A and Amnesiac where I would go, I'm not even going to try to play any of these right. songs. I have no, there's no chance I'm going to even make sounds There's no that level for entry this. for that right. in the same way. And that's kind of yeah. cool. And I think that's where you said there's pretension. A lot of people read that as pretentious. So be it, you know, whereas th- this definitely is more accessible. Um, but yeah, it's almost like a, a, a sticking a toe in the water and it works that way for like a young teenage listener too. You know, it's it's something like Paranoid Android, right? Most of it is in 4-4 and there's these little parts towards the end where it starts rocking, where they're taking one beat away. It has that yeah. weird sort of hiccup. But yeah, that's a little, it. Uh, a flirt with math rock. Right. But then by the time you get to them of the later records, I mean, they're just in full on wild time signatures yeah. that, that might be really hard for you to grab. So it's a lot of this album is that it's like sticking a toe in the water. It's not yeah. fully committing to like whatever that, th- and you know, for a certain segment, that's really a sweet spot. But, but I'll tell you, I've, I've seen Radiohead live. And when you go to a show, there's that segment of people who are still screaming for creep every song. And those same people are screaming for paranoid Android. This still, for whatever reason, even though, you know, the lists and the publications feel like this is the the big jump forward for a lot of fans. This is still part of the creep era. This is still part of the, 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 the classic pump your fist. I want to hear paranoid Android era. Oh yeah, totally. Whether they like it or not, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what they are. You know, uh, Radiohead is the band that I would say that most people will say they like, there is a, some sort of, consensus that you don't want to say you don't like them mm-hmm. because it makes you seem stupid. It makes you say, it's like 
if you were to put glasses on an actor to make them seem more smart in the role, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they like Radiohead. <laughs> I mean, would you call yourself a Radiohead fan? No, not at this point. Not at this point. I mean, I have a lot of good things to say about them, but is there is there an album I, you like I, more than OK Computer? By Radiohead? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I like Kid A more, and I would I would and Amnesiac also. I mean, you know, is is a is a very cool record. I think Hail to the Thief. I remember liking a lot. I haven't heard in a long time. I think OK Computer to, you know, adolescence, Hell to the Thief was like what picked up in college. Like that yeah. came out when we were getting into college and it was yeah. the same thing. It was like, oh, now it's politically minded for a college student. Right. I totally, I totally, I think we both were like very enthusiastic yeah. about the record. And again, track one is literally a quote of 1984 and you're just right. fucking in. You're yeah. like, I'm 18. I'm in, man. 1984, man. George W. Bush, you know. And I, I, you know, thinking about that now, I've been thinking a lot lately, um, Di and I have been going back and like watching movies that like either one of us may have missed, like the big, big hits that I can't believe you haven't seen these. And I've been saying, I want to rewatch The Matrix. She's never seen The Matrix. Ooh. And my worry is kind of what I'm experiencing like, going back to an okay computer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember loving it. I remember thinking it was so ahead of its time. And I wonder if now... I'm going to feel the same way that, oh, it's it's a good movie, but it it can't make you feel the way you felt in the late 90s. You know what I mean? Whereas some things, they immediately elicit that same nostalgia response. You feel exactly how you felt when you first heard it. You you get those emotions. You get those feelings welled back up. This didn't do it for me, and I, I wonder if I'm going to have the same feeling. If I'm going to look at this and I'm going to go, all right, like with all this sort of techno babble, it's just kind of a little off the mark. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if like us as adults is going to be stimulated by something like that necessarily. Mm. I think it's like, I remember hearing, uh, uh, that when they record, I can't remember if it was recording or when they did it live on TV or whatever it was. Um, and they were doing for kid a, they were doing the national anthem and Tom York would not give the horn players charts. He just said, just watch me like, just watch me like faux conduct and do something you know like go with it yeah I and remember to me that. Yeah. like that speaks to me as like all right let's just let's just get weird man let's just really go mm-hmm. for it and this album it's interesting but it's still very restrained yeah it's still it's still um pretty safe outside of maybe paranoid android which which has more of an epic quality a lot of different parts to it some time things the rest of it they're they're tight three and four minute rock songs and pop songs and then when you get to the later works it really starts to feel like let's take big risks let's yeah. just see what happens and some of it really works yeah like you know pitchfork called this the best record of the 90s and i don't know where the color and the shape of the foo fighter is but <laughs> but there is some notion that okay computer is far more sophisticated than the color and shape because dave Grohl kind of sings about love and he sings about a b c d e but I think that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I think they're about, I think they're both like rock albums for teenagers <laughs> that, I, that I like, you know, oh, <laughs> that I liked man. when I was a teenager that oh. I still like. Rock album for teenagers. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening to. Thanks for listening, everybody. What is Goat? What is Goat? See you next time.